Hey everyone, welcome to the Trail Life Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Stoner. Thank you, as always, for listening in. I really appreciate it. If you like what you hear, please leave a comment, leave a rating, so that way the podcast can get found a little bit faster to share those stories. Um, you know, I've got a great conversation today. I've got an avid ultra runner who's run multiple ultra races throughout his uh, trail journey. He's completed the Tahoe 200. He's biked across the country, 4,000 miles. So there's a lot to talk about from his journey and how he got into trail running, but this also has led him to writing his new book, Epic Performances, Lessons Learned from 100 Executives and Ultra Athletes. It's a great book on how to reach your peak performance. Um, It was a great conversation, so I hope you enjoy. Welcome to The Trail Life, Brian Gillette. The Trail Life Podcast is presented by Solomon. For over 75 years, their passion for outdoor sports, new technologies, and craftsmanship have driven them and still do to create progressive gear to enable you to freely enjoy and challenge yourself in the great outdoors. Today, Solomon has an incredible lineup of road and trail running footwear and hydration gear. Perfect for any runner on any terrain, no matter the challenge. Check them out today at your local running store like Runner's Roost or on Solomon.com. This episode of the Trail Live Podcast is brought to you by Spring Energy. How do you fuel enough while keeping your stomach happy during a long run? Give Spring Energy a try. Spring Energy gels are made entirely from real food ingredients, free from melodextrin, processed sugars, or preservatives. The balanced mixture of simple and complex carbohydrates, electrolytes, and micronutrients will give you sustainable energy instead of sharp spikes and dips of blood sugar. To find out more about Spring Energy, go to myspringenergy.com or visit one of your local running stores. There's no excuses of people working on your internet this time around. So you're, you're now you're forced to talk to me now. No, I know we were supposed to record this a while back. And then all of a sudden I get a note from my internet provider. It said, your internet may be down for a couple hours. So I, I appreciate your flexibility, Jeff. It's great to be talking to you now. Yeah, that's that's the beauty of these things, though, right? Is you never doing them on Zoom, you never know what's going to happen. Like I've had I've had internet providers cut off during during that interview where I've had to restart the entire thing. I've had People get cut off and I've had to like pause the whole entire interview until like wait for 15 minutes before they can get back on. So I, I, I know exactly how the drill works. Yeah. It's kind of the, it's the beauty of technology and it's the hindrance of technology, right. That we rely on it too much for this type of stuff. So, right. And, and if, if the last couple of years taught me anything, it taught me that, all right, I just have to kind of go with the flow and be flexible because something's going to change. I I was teaching a class earlier today and I had a, a, a spurt in my electricity which shut things down for a moment. And I'm the host on the Zoom and it, it, I lost my camera. And so it's like, oh, I got another hour of this class I'm teaching. I just had to, you just have to adjust. Well, so. I, oh, exactly. All right. Well, that's enough about that. I, uh, I, again, I appreciate you jumping on with me and and thank you for navigating the timeframes and the internet and all that stuff uh, with it. But uh, we're here to talk about ultra running and your, your ultra running journey and your book, which I've had a chance to breeze through it really quick. Uh, it's called Epic Performance Lessons Learned from 100 Executives and Ultra Endurance Athletes on Reaching Your Peak. From a listener perspective, I think this is going to be a very informative conversation on how they can persevere through some of their troubles and kind of learning how to 
uh, plan and, and prepare for what they've got planned uh, in, you know, from a race perspective or whatever it is. So, um, but before we get into the book, I, I kind of want to get a backstory of what your athletic performance was, you know, as a kid and leading up into the ultra running, because as we've talked about previously, you weren't an ultra runner up until, but 10, 15 years ago, something like that. I, I wouldn't even say I was a runner. Up until about uh, 10, <laughs> 10 years ago, maybe maybe a little bit further than that. I never considered myself a runner. I was always a cyclist. Um, as a kid, I I mean, I could be on a bike forever, but I also played soccer. And, I, you know, there's there's running in soccer, but not to the level of uh, of what you and your listeners go to. Yeah. In fact, I, I remember as a kid, I was I was probably 10 and I, and I played on this competitive soccer team. And one of the things we had to do at the beginning of practice is we had to run around the, the soccer complex, which was about a mile around and we had to do that twice and and I was always the last kid back I, I, I played goalie and I was always the last kid and, and my parents used to joke we, we never measured measured your speed with a, a stopwatch we used a calendar because I, and I, and I, was like, I never considered my myself a runner and then and and I had always been cycling and I've done a bunch on the bike come long distance and you know I've gone across the US I've done 300 miles in a day and and as I was finishing up a 300 mile 24 hour bike ride I was about 25 miles from the end I started to think about all right what's next uh, you know, what do I want to do next? And I thought maybe I'd do something different than cycling. And, and you know, the marathon is kind of the ultimate, ultimate runner mm-hmm. yeah. um, kind of event. And so I thought, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to go do a marathon. And, you know, I was in good shape, um, you know, when you're, when you ride bikes, uh, but I, I quickly realized that biking legs and running legs are different. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I did not know this about, you know, 15 years ago. Um, and I thought, okay, I'll, I'll go out and, and I'll, I'll run, but it was, I, I now had this goal to do a marathon. And so I trained up, I did, I did the marathon and then I thought, you know, that's cool. And a buddy and I, a couple of buddies and I were sitting around and when all, you know, good ideas come up, you're sitting around and, and chatting about what's next. And one of them said, Hey, let's do this. Uh, let's do this 50, 50 miler. And so it's like, all right. And just so, a normal everyday chat about just doing a 50 mile. Yeah, right, well, I, you know, your most people won't understand this, but <laughs> your your uh, your listeners probably get it. <laughs> and and so it's like we trained for the 50. It's like it was a lot of fun. Did a couple more 50s, and it's like okay, let's do a hundred miler. And, and I don't know if fun's the right word, but it, it was a great challenge. And so then that led me to the 200 miler. And I, you know, I love being able to run on trails. Yeah. Um, and, and you when you when you start doing 102 miles. Miles, you're not even 50 miles. You're not, uh, you're not running the entire time. So, well, God, no, no. I mean, it's I, I, good for you if you are, because, but you're not for sure. So, well, I'm not running the it's, entire it's time. Definitely a, it's definitely a, a power hike about half the time anyway. Right. Um, well, I want to back up just a second because you said, I, I don't want to like breeze over this just really quick. You have biked across the country, which is awesome. So, and you did this when you were in your twenties, is that right? I was 20. Yes. Yeah. So getting it before getting into the running side of things, like what was your process of, Hey, you get, is it, you're getting done with school 
type of thing, or you got a summer off and you're, you're just going to, you just gonna be like, ah, what else do I got to do? I'm just going to bike for a few miles. The next thing you know, like, no, no, no I'm just going to keep going and, and see what happens. How, how does that come about? <laughs> no, I, I had a summer off. I had done a bunch of shorter tours. So I'm in, I live in the San Francisco Bay area. And so I'd done some tours down from Canada or from Washington, kind of 500 to 750 mile tours. And, and I enjoyed it. I'd go out with, with some friends and another friend of mine, an older guy had done a, he'd gone across the United States and I thought, God, wouldn't it be cool to cycle from one end of the country to the other end, kind of go from the Pacific to the Atlantic. And, and so he and I were going to do it together. Um, He'd done it before. I thought it's, that's good. Um, You know, I'll do it with somebody else. And a couple of weeks before we were to take off, we were to, to, to leave. His father came down with cancer and he said, I got to back out of it. So I, I'm 20 years old. This is well before cell coverage. It's well, but, you know, we, we had actual paper maps. Um, yeah. And every couple of days I'd go to a phone booth um, and call my parents <laughs> and let them know where I was and that I was alive. So there's no GPS tracking or any of that. And so I, I, I thought long and hard. It's like, OK, do I go? Do I go by myself? And, and I had put on all this time and, and I was, you know, it was a, a year, it was a summer, you know, between with, um, while I was in college and I thought, you know, if I don't do this, it's going to be hard to find another time yeah. in my life that I could do it. Now, I, I, I don't agree with that statement now because you can find the time, but at the time I thought, you know, if I don't do it now, Will I ever do it? You get into it, you start working, you have a family, you have kids. Yeah. You know, it's hard to take two months off and and leave. So well, when you're when you're that young, you're full of piss and vinegar too. So it's it's a little bit easier to <laughs> have, have some energy to go go live further. Once you get into like your 40s and 50s, you're like, okay, I, I'll go another couple of miles and like I take a take an eight hour break. You know, it's like, <laughs> you know, see, I I I, uh, I think there's part of it. I'm I'm 50 uh, 54 now. And, and I did, I did the 200, I was, what was that? I was 45. Um, and so, and, and there's people doing the, the 200 yeah. in their fifties, kind of early sixties. Yep. So yeah. you just, I, I just go a little bit slower now. I'm not, I'm not doing as many of the, the long distance events now. I'm, I kind of go out and I'll go for a short run or go for a, uh, a, a, a good bike ride. So what's the, so you were, you were 20 when you bike across, you were 45 when you did, uh, the 200 or when you did your first ultra. No, when I did the 200, I was, uh, early forties when I did the marathon 42 or something. Okay. So So, we're, and we're, and we're talking about the Tahoe 200 is what we're Tahoe 200, which just finished today. It did. Yeah. Yep. So. So. I know it's kind of a cool thing that we're talking about this on, on the day that we finished up. But, uh, uh, so you've, you've got 25 years of separation between doing bike across the country and doing the Tahoe 200. Do you feel like you still were, had some lessons learned from that bike across the country that helped you out with the Tahoe 200? Oh yeah. And, and every year, I mean, even though there was, there was that distance between the the cross country and the Tahoe 200, most years I was, I was still cycling a lot. Or when I got into running kind of in my early Mm forties, I would, you know, I would do, you know, uh, try to look for one big event a year. Um, So I was still doing, you know, as I, 
as I was uh, kind of get into my later 20s and to 30s, I was still doing some uh, um, 200s, um, 200 uh, bicycle rides. Okay. Um, so lots of centuries, um, you know, go out. And, and so I was doing a lot of cycling. Um, and then I just, it's like, I want something different. I want to, I want to try to kind of push myself in a different way. And that's what led me to the marathon and then to some of the ultras. Yeah. So it wasn't like I, I kind of stopped doing something. I've, I've always been really active. Yeah. And, and one of the ways, you know, I've thought a lot about this is my wife is really good of just going every morning, you know, even though she, and, and exercising, even though she doesn't have some sort of goal, I like to have some sort of goal that gets me going. It's like, okay, I, I know I got to train for this in order to, in order to, you know, I got to get up in the morning in order to make sure I'm, I'm trained I'm, yeah. as I get older. And I'm doing less of the long distance stuff. Then, then it's like, okay, I'll, I just get up and I'll go, go for a bike ride or go for a jog or, you know. Yeah. So how many, how many, uh, you didn't do any ultras aside from the 50 miler before you did the 200, right? Is that so correct? I did a marathon yeah. kind of one year. Then the next year I did a 50, I did a couple fifties the following year. Then okay. I did the a hundred and the next year. And then I did the, oh, so there was a, there was a little bit of buildup in there. Yeah. I mean, I didn't, I didn't spread, start. From spread, yeah. Spread. Well, <laughs> you'd be surprised how many people start from scratch and just jump right into a 50 mile or into a hundred miler. I've, I've talked to plenty of people that are like, ah, what else did I have to do? I'm just going to jump in. People are doing it. I'm just going to try it out and see what happens. So yeah. And, and most people, I wouldn't recommend that. And most people no. even like, I wouldn't start off with a marriage. Marathon. But I mean, if you're in the mindset of being able to do a 50 and a hundred, you know what you need to do in order to get to a certain point for, for many cases. So yeah, I wouldn't recommend people start at a, a marathon or a half a 50, but some people they can do it. No problem. Yeah. So let's talk about the two uh, Tahoe 200 really quick since this is just finished up today. Yeah. Um, give me a little bit of your experience jumping into the 200 world, because that's, I mean, the, the 200 races are now kind of becoming, you talk about the marathon as in the, in the running world has always been kind of the gold standard of, mm -hmm. Hey, I just ran a marathon and stuff. So now it's like in the ultra world, right? It's a hundred milers were really big there for a little bit. And all of a sudden now 200s are kind of popping up here and there. Um, talk about your experience doing that 200, you know, the goods, the bads, what did you learn? What did you like? Cause there's, Cause there's always the euphoria of, Oh my God, this is the greatest thing in the world. Like look at the scenery and look like, I feel great, but on the same token, there's a lot of breakdown. There's a lot of like, it's, it's a, and I've in plenty of other conversations I've had about this, it is more of a mental and physical strategy than I think any other sport that you, or any other event that you could get into, I think, because you have to figure out, you have to figure out how to push yourself through a certain spot. You have to figure out when to sleep, when to eat, when to stop if you need to like, so kind of give me some of your experience on, on some of that, because it's, it's, it's always interesting to me to hear like how everybody is different with that stuff. I mean, it, it is, it is clear. I mean, you've got to be in good physical shape. There's no doubt about it. Um, but I think the difference between the people that get to the, the end and the people that don't get to the end or don't even make it to the start line, it's often up in the head. Um, oh, yeah. and, 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 and I've run, I remember my first 50, um, I was running with a friend of mine and he far better runner physically than, than I am. And I, you know, I kind of looked at who, you know, what should our times be? I always like to assess the times and I figured he's going to come in one to two hours ahead of me on this 50 miler. And, and, 
and I passed him at mile 30 and he was he was mentally gone. Then he ended up coming in two hours after me. I had a really good race and he just lost it. Um, I was kind of very well prepared. So when you when you think of the 200, I often think getting to the finish line of the 200 is easier than getting to the start line. I can see that actually, because it's it's taking that it's taking that step forward first, right? It's getting that first step. I think. Yeah. Well, and, and if you think about it, is the difference between the start line and the finish line is a hundred hours. You know, yeah. it, you, for the Tahoe 200. So if it whatever you know whatever it is, if you're doing a, a hundred miler, it may be 24 hours. But the, you know, for the 200 200 miles, it's in a hundred hours. I am going to be done. Now that's to get from start to finish. In order to get to the start. You know, that may be a year, you know, you know, I I came into I had finished up a hundred miler in November and I kind of took it easy in December and January and then started my training up fairly heavily kind of into late January. And the race is in was at the time it was in September. Um, They've now moved it earlier. So that gave me almost nine months eight, eight to nine months of, of dedicated training. That's a long time. Yeah. And so getting up every morning or getting up at three in the morning in order to go out and run when it's raining, there's a lot of things that can, that can stop you from doing that. So if you can get to the start line, uh, getting to the finish line is easier. That it, yeah. it's, I'm not saying it's easy because you do have those, you do have the, you know, in that hundred hours, you know, for me, it was 76 and a half hours. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in those 76 and a half hours, there are there are times when it's like, oh, what the heck am I doing? Yeah. Well, it's it's got to be that way. I mean, you have to, there's got to be a, going through almost every single emotional factor that you can, right? Like yeah. you're happy, you're sad, like you're laughing at something out of nowhere. Like you, you like it's just kind of, it's, it's got to be like you run through the gamut of all emotional factors. You do. And I think part of what, if, if you did your training, well, you know, hopefully you run through those emotions then when it doesn't matter as much. So when you're out on, on trail, you've experienced things. I mean, I always remember, you know, when I was training for Tahoe, I gave my, myself three kind of free days that, you know, I knew what my training plan was. I was training six days a week. And I, I gave myself three days that if I didn't want to train, I could just, I could skip it. No questions asked. Now this, this was, this did not include injury days, but if I just woke up and for some reason it's like, I don't want to train. I gave myself three days, three times where I could say it's a free day for me. And, and I remember, you know, waking up at three in the morning and I could hear rain outside. I thought, oh this would be a nice day to stay in bed. <laughs> I could use one of those free days, you know, just kind of the, the, the get out of training card. And I thought, you know, now's the time when I need to get up yeah. and go out and run. And it's going to be miserable for the first couple of miles. It's going to be, I'm going to be wet. I'm going to be rain. It's going to you know rain on me. It's early, but it prepares you when you're on course and it's raining and you can just think, you know, I've, I've been here before and I know I'll get out of it. So I I think if you can go through those tough times kind of during training, it helps when you hit them, hit them during the hard times um, when you're on course. A lot of people that say they 
want to do a 200, right? And they'll never, they'll never do it because they don't ever want to take that first step. So it's, I, it's, it's awesome that you did. You know, and, um, and it's, I mean, that first step, um, you know, I was talking to somebody the other day and they, they want to, you know, this was a couple of weeks ago. It's a client of mine. And she goes, I, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about running a half marathon. And, and I said, you know, the first thing you got to do, just go sign up sign up for it. And, and hers is, she's not planning to do it until October. So she's got lots of time for, to, to plan for a half marathon. And, and I don't care if it's a half marathon, if it's 200 miles, if it's a 5k, it's like sign up for it, commit, and then, then kind of figure out how are you going to get there? 200 miles is a little bit more, but you know, if you got a couple months, you can easily prepare for a half. You or, know, it's all about where to, you know, some place to start. I mean, yeah. it, could, it could be a 10 K even, it could be a five K it's just, right. it's just getting up and getting active and, and making that first move to reach a goal or, or get, you know, get to do something that you would never have done. So I, I totally agree with that. It's really all it is, is just signing up for it and taking that step there. That way it kind of forces you to have to have it like, okay, mentally, I've got to get ready for this physically. I've got to get ready for this. Right. Yeah. And, and I will, I mean, I write in the book about, you know, if if you want to do something big, just find one thing to start moving you forward. Yeah. And then it's that whole adage, you know, you know, we we probably remember the uh, Christmas story, put one foot in front of your and the other, and soon you'll be walking Mm -hmm. out the door. It's like, just put one foot in front of the other and then put the other foot. Yeah. And then eventually you're, half a K in and the two K or three K. So yeah, start doing something. So this is a good transition to, uh, to the book itself. Cause I think uh, again, we, you, you've sat and, and already stated a few things that that's in your book and what you talk about and everything else. So it, it's really interesting. Epic performance and Epic is actually an acronym for envision plan, iterate and collaborate performance. So, um, what, I mean, first of all, where did you get the idea to write something like this? Did this kind of come about within some of your, a little bit at a time in some of your big ultra endurance adventures, biking, whether it's biking across the country or even during the Tahoe 200, I'm sure that there's little pieces that kind of came here and there from everything that you've done, right? Yeah. I mean, it, it really started to come on that 300 mile kind of 24 hour. It's the first time I had done 24 hours um, on an event where, uh, it, and uh, you spend that much time doing something, whether it's running or biking, it, you, you think a lot. And so the idea started to come together then uh, about, you know, how is it I can kind of take this idea, this bike ride and kind of put it together. And then as I started to get into ultras and you, you often, and, and I'm sure the people on you know, your, your listeners experience this a, we- a lot as well is they'll come up and say, oh, you know, I could never do something like that. The people will come up to them, you know, they've just run a 50 or a hundred or whatever yeah. it is, you know, I could never do something like that. And I thought, well, you know, that seems so unfair to yourself. Uh, and so, so I wanted to understand what is it that I can do in order to do what you say is impossible. And, and so I have, I had some of my own ideas, but I wanted to go out and interview a hundred other people. And, and I think there's a big similarity between what's done on the corporate side and what's done in sport. 
Um, and since I, I target a lot of folks on the corporate side to kind of get them to think bigger in their life and at, at work, I interviewed you know, about 75% of my, my uh, the interviews were executives. So mm. really C-level folks. These are people that had founded companies, CEOs, CIOs. Um, but I also wanted to bring in that ultra side. So I looked at, I talked to about 25 people who, 25% who were in the ultra. Some were both um, business and ultra. And I wanted to understand, okay, how do you, how do you think big? How, how do you go about do some, doing these things? You know, when you get to roadblocks, what happens? And, and, and the baseline for me, for who I interviewed, interviewed on the ultra is, you know, they done either like an Ironman would be one kind of the lower level or a hundred mile run would be, you know, I, I talked to a couple of people who had done seven marathons in seven days on seven continents. It's like, okay, uh, that qualifies. Yeah. I think that qualifies a little bit. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it had to be, it had to be a significant event. So this, it kind of it interests me because there's gotta be a ton of similarities between the straight executives and then your straight endurance athletes, right? There's huge, I mean, and there's, I'm sure there's differences as well, but I would almost think that for anybody who's looking to yeah, peak performance and do, you know, reach a goal, the mentality has to be pretty similar as far as what they are thinking, what they're, how they practice it, how they plan it. And did, and, um, did you find that? You, I mean, Jeff, I mean, you nailed it. Um, you know, first of all, both people can see a finish line and they know what the finish line looks like. They know what that, and then they have to figure out what do I need to do in order to get the, to the finish line? Very disciplined. Um, you know, they, they can envision it. Well, that's where the envision came. They know how to, what they need to do in order to get to that finish line. And they also know how to prioritize um, things. I mean, that. so, you know, one of the guys I was talking to, he's a head of human resources for a midsize technology company. He's a former a professional FIFA referee. So he refereed at kind of the top of the soccer class um, and he's an Ironman. And he says, when I train for an Ironman, I have to find 12 hours in the week. And so that's 7% of your week. Now, I don't know about you. I am not that efficient. So I know I can find 7% in my week. What it also means is it means I'm going to have to say no to some things and I'm going to have to kind of prioritize. And, and when I was training for Tahoe, you know, I kind of break, break uh, my time down into sleep, work and kind of everything else. And I knew I couldn't I couldn't cut back on the sleep. So, in fact, I was going to be sleeping more because I'd often, you know, I'd be sitting at my desk and I, would, I was working from home and I could just lay down for 15 or 20 minutes in the afternoon because it just needed it. Um, I didn't want to sacrifice the time with my family. Um, and so I was fortunate enough where I could decrease some of the clients I take on and take down, I take a little bit of work. So what the, the people I talk to, they know how their time is set and they know where they can give and where, or where they have to say yes and where they have to say no. And they say no to certain things. Yeah. The, I mean, the other big thing, Jeff, is they, you know, uh, folks in kind of that I, I talk to, they don't let fate drive where they're going. They're very, they, they know it's like, I, I want to go to that finish line and I'm going to go to that finish line and I'm going to figure out how to get it. It's going to be hard, but if something knocks me off course, I'm not going to 
go that new course. I'm going to kind of get back on course. So it's, yeah. it's that, you know, I, I'm, re, I'm responsible for my direction and I'm going to take ownership of it. Yeah. So out of all the people you've interviewed, um, is there one or two things that you looked that you, you heard and found out from them that you were like kind of light bulb for your own training? I, I think one of the ones that I had to bump up a little bit is, you know, one of the guys I was, I was interviewing is CEO of a company and I actually worked for him for part of my career and just a phenomenal CEO. And he said, look, when, when you're out doing something, look where you want to go versus looking where you don't want to go. And, and you think about it, um, now he was using a skiing story. He, uh, you know, he was up hella skiing. Um, and so, you know, if you've never been hella skiing and I haven't, you go up above tree line, the helicopter drops you off and you come skiing down and then you eventually get into tree line and you're going through the trees. And so this was his first time and he's coming through the trees and he, he makes it through and then he gets down to the bottom and the instructor says, hey, hey, Jeff, do you want me, uh, do you want me to give you some, some feedback or some kind of help you out for the next time? He goes, yeah, I'd love it. He goes, when you go through the trees, don't look at the trees. Look at the white space between the trees. And, and it's the same professional car uh, racers do the thing, the same thing. Um, and even, and so I, I've, you know, it's forced me to do it more on the bike, but even running, when you're running down a trail and there's a rock in the trail, don't look at do the you, rock. Yeah. Do you look at the rock or do you look at the path around the rock? And, and if you look at the rock, your eyes and your brain are going to take you to the rock. Yeah. Um, and so that just, that kind of pushed it a little bit further to the front of my head. It's like, okay, I'm running down and, and I've got to constantly focus. Like, don't look at the rock. Don't look at the rock. Look around the rock. Well, I think that's, that's a really great point. Uh, you make Brian, like, uh, and I think I see that a lot when I get a lot of questions from new trail runners that come to our races, uh, you know, they're always, it's always scary for them. Like, Oh, well, what kind of train do we have? What, what are we, is there a lot of, you know, is there a lot of rocks? There's a lot of roots. And I'm like, well, yeah, there's a lot of rocks and roots. Pay, pay attention, <laughs> pay attention to them, but don't like sit there and stare at it. Like, like you're going to get scared because you know, eventually you're going to hit one and whatever, but know that they're there, but don't focus on, on that entire thing. And I've always kind of said that same thing to people that I talk to about the trails, like, all right, yeah, you're going to get some very technical trail here, but don't pay a hundred percent attention to that rock that's right there in front of you. Look and see what's coming, coming up 20, 30 feet in, in front of you. So that way you, you know, what's, what to expect. <laughs> so, yeah. And, I, and a good friend it. of mine is a really good downhiller. And so I spent a lot of time with him because you can make time up, you walk the Hills and then you can run oh, the yeah. downhills yeah. and it's like, you got to be looking further out. And that, that was something I was always looking at. But I mean, when you think of that, okay, don't look at the rock. I think that applies to so much more than just oh, yeah. the rock. It's do you know, you know, when you're thinking about doing anything big, we often see the wall in front of us as opposed to how to get around the wall. Yeah, um, I agree. I want people to take a read of your book, but I also kind of want to give a quick break, see if you give a quick breakdown of each of the, each part of the epic, so to speak. Yeah. Um, and again, I, and a lot of this, I, we talk about how this it definitely applies to 
the everyday individual, the, the, the everyday athlete, but, you know, for this perspective, you know, we're, we're we'll focus kind of on the trail running mentality of, of things. Um, so, and again, I want people to be able to read it and further have the information, but if, if it's possible just to give a quick breakdown of what each of those uh, pieces of Epic kind of mean, or you can learn from, uh, I think it'd be very helpful. Yeah. So let me get, let me give it a shot and you can dig deeper if you want. So, <laughs> you know, Epic, the, the E is, and you'd mentioned E is envision. How are, how are you envisioning the big things in life at work, wherever that you want to accomplish? And so if it's a trail run and, and you're just starting and you're starting with a, a 10 K or a, you know, a, 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 whatever it is, how, how are you envisioning out further? Um, and really thinking about what those things are and stretching yourself. I talk a lot about how, how do you stretch yourself to those areas where, you know, it makes you nervous, you know? So, so if you're thinking about running a 50 miler and you think, oh yeah, I can do it. Um, that's great. If you think, oh man, I do a hundred miler and that makes you really nervous. That's the one you ought to focus on. So do those things that make you nervous. Um, uh, and so it's how do you envision those big things? The P is is plan. How do you put a plan in place to do it? Um, and and the first part of, of that is just get started. You know, go out and sign up for the race. You know, a, a friend of mine who who does a lot of Ironmans, I said, what's the hardest part about doing an Ironman? He said, it's it's signing up. You know, what part of, part of it is paying that exorbitant fee that you have to pay? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but. <laughs> It's signing up. Once you've paid your fee and you put it on the calendar, um, then then you're going to go do it. And then start looking at what's the plan, um, you know, that you need to put in place. And, and I'll talk about how you can build that in a second. Um, and that also involves, it's like, what are some of the risks? What are some of the obstacles? I like to know what they are. Mm-hmm. So I, I know how to get around them later on. So envision, plan, um, iterate is, you know, if you know you want to do a 200 eventually, um, where do you start? You know, you start just, you know, my first run, you know, I, I remembered when I decided, okay, I'm going to do the marathon. I went, I was working from home that day and I thought I ran, I, I drove down to the, uh, the local running store, bought a pair of running shoes. And then later on that day, went for a four mile run, you know, just did a loop from, from my house back. And, you know, I mean, I'm a, I'm a, I was in great shape from cycling and I came back and I'm doing my afternoon um, conference calls. It's like, I got to get up and go to the bathroom. I walk upstairs and my legs are hurting. <laughs> and I think, and in my mind was, it's like, okay, you know, today was four miles tomorrow. It's going to be five miles. And then you just work your way up. So how do you iterate from something and kind of get get going to something bigger. Um, you, you start having to figure out how to manage those obstacles. Um, I also talk about, you know, looking at data, you know, when you're, when you're putting your training plan together, what's the data that you want to want to look at, you know, is it miles? Is it heart rate? You know, figure out, you don't have to, and you, these watches today, they measure hundreds of different elements. Oh God, yeah. Yeah. You don't need hundreds, find the three, four, five things that you're going to watch. Yeah. And I, then, I mean, I think I can only use like two functions on my watch. I, that's all I have. So yeah. <laughs> that's all I can use. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's so much data. It's like, you know, I, I'm not worried about this, this piece of data. And then the, the fourth part of uh, Epic is collaborate. Somebody has done something like this before um, and learn from those, have the advisors or the mentors that can help you. You know, I, I was fortunate. So I was doing the Tahoe 200 in its second year and I had two close friends that had done it the year before. And I spent a lot of time talking to them. You know, 
but you can still learn from learn from people who've done hundreds or fifties because there are certain things. And so how do you learn from these people? Um, you know, whether it's about nutrition, whether it's about, you know, your training. And then the last one is you have to go out and perform it. Um, you know, you gotta, you gotta stay focused on your goal. You gotta know why you're doing it. Um, because when it gets rough and it's raining in the middle of the night and you don't want to move, it's like, okay, think about why you're doing this. You know, I, one of the guys I spoke to, I spoke to, um, he was training for an Ironman and, and I said, so what do you do when it gets tough? He goes, I think about my uncle and my uncle died on the couch effectively um, because he hurt his back and he couldn't get up and exercise. And when he couldn't get up and exercise, he started to gain a lot of weight. And when he started to gain weight, and it's just this downward spiral. Mm -hmm. And he goes, I didn't want that to happen. And so when I you know, was starting to think, oh, I just don't want to get out and train, I would think about him. So he had that why. And so know why you're doing that, because that's. And then when you get to the finish line, uh, it's like, okay, now what? What's you know? next? <laughs> yeah, what, what's next? <laughs> so, yeah, I uh, one of the things that that I that you talk about in the book is, and I think this is one thing that the that when you start to do the ultra categories, whether it's a fifty k all the way up to a two hundred mile, right? Mm-hmm. You, and if you're definitely not used to it, you're used to doing that ten k, five k, or even just a half marathon, trying to j- make that jump you talk about getting comfortable with being uncomfortable and how, I guess one of the things is, is a learning how to do that. But do you think that that also keeps people from taking that first leap? Like they know that they're probably going to be uncomfortable doing it. Do you see a lot of maybe your clients or your experiences that it's like, I don't, I don't, I I know that I'm going to hurt. I mean, I know that's going to be painful. I don't know if I really want to jump into it. Like what's your thoughts on that? Yeah. I mean, I I often talk, it's like, you have to get comfortable being uncomfortable. Um, You've got to be able to do that because you will. And so when you are uncomfortable, you can then start to realize, Hey, this is normal. You know, so it's, it's, oh yeah, my legs hurt and, and, and you can normalize it. Yeah. I, I, I have just lost a toenail. Okay. I lost another one. That's normal. And, and so part of the way I, I you know, the reason why I, I like the get comfortable with being uncomfortable is it shows that you're growing, whether it's, it's in running. I mean, if you're, if you love doing 10Ks and you can go out and it's like, oh, I'm just going to go, I'm going to go do a 10K. Um, you're good at that. You're not, unless you're, unless you're pushing yourself, you're probably not going to be growing as much. Mm -hmm. If, uh, if you're pushing, it's like, okay, I'm going to push myself for a faster time. That's, that's one thing. And that may be okay if that's what you want to do. But part of growing, um, is getting, getting, getting uncomfortable. You know, I often think about, you know, swimming and, you know, if you're, we all learned how to, most of us learned how to swim at one point and we swam in the shallow end and it's the deep end that makes us uncomfortable. Yeah. The shallow end will build our confidence up. And so that gives us confidence to go into the deep end. There's no difference in water between the deep end and the shallow end. It's all, it's, you know, it's mostly in your head. And so how do you start to move yourself into that deep end of the pool? Um, and then, then you start getting comfortable in the deep end. And it's the same thing with, with running. All right. I'm very comfortable running a 10 K. So maybe I should go out and run 15 K 
and then you'll get, and it's the first time it hurts. Yeah. And then the fourth time it's like, yeah, this, this is okay. Maybe I'm going to move up to fill in the, the number. Yeah. Yeah. This brings, uh, reminds me of a, <laughs> reminds me, it just happened this weekend. So I, I was out in Colorado. Uh, we're doing, uh, we're putting on a, a, a 22 mile, a half marathon and a 10 K race down in the Highlands ranch area. And I'm at packet pickup, uh, handing bibs out and stuff. And, and a woman comes into the store to pick up her, her bib. And, and I was like, Oh, you excited for the race? She's like, I'm a road runner. I'm not a trail runner. <clears throat> I've had no interest in doing a trail run. I'm in she's like, but my friends signed me up and I'm like, well, this is great. You're going to love it. You're going to enjoy it. She said, no, I'm not. I'm, I'm going to hate it. I'm going to hate it. I'm going to hate it. She's like, I was like, well, what are you worried about? She's like, well, I'm, I'm worried about, I'm worried about the train. I'm worried about, I'm worried about rattlesnakes. I'm worried about like, and I was like, well, okay, you know, this is what you should expect. I'm, I'm kind of walking her through the whole entire process of uh, a trail race versus a road race. And she, she walks away and she gives me that, uh-huh. Thanks guy. I appreciate mm-hmm. it. Whatever. Like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to enjoy this any means. My friends are making me do it, whatever. Thank you. I'll see you on Saturday. So (laughs) she, uh, I, I see her on race morning right before the start. And I said, are you ready? She's like, no, I'm not ready. I don't want to do this. I, and, and her friends are just shaking their head. Like she'll be fine. And I was like, you'll be, you'll be okay. This is, this is fine. Just, just know that this community is going to support you. And so, so I, I see her at the finish line. Uh, I don't know. I think she ran the half, uh, but she, no, she ran the 10 K she ran the 10 K and she, she, I see at the finish line, big old smile on her face. And I, I ran, ran it up to her and I was like, so how did she's like, I hated every minute of it, but I also enjoyed every minute of it. And she's like, the things that I, I was uncomfortable with, I ran into, like there was, it was hot enough where two rattlesnakes were on the trail. Oh, okay. And so she's like, I was freaked out, but somebody next to me, you know, put a log over the top of one of them or got, got them off the trail and it was totally fine. She's like, the, the course was completely fine. Like no problems. Like I will probably, it'll probably take me a while to do another race like this, but I had fun. And I was like, that's all I asked for. You moved her. Yeah. I was like, that's, that's all I can ask for. Like, like just get out and try it. Like it's, it's a completely different, it's a completely different demographic. It's a completely different vibe and how, how each you know, one works. And I said, I'm just happy you, you came out and whether you thoroughly enjoyed it or you're just like, just put on a happy face for me, whatever. I'm, I'm glad you came out and did it. And hopefully that leads you into another race. And she's like, I'll think about it. I'm like, that's all I needed right there. And so it, it, going back to that, getting comfortable with being uncomfortable, it was, <laughs> it reminded me of that story that just happened this weekend that I'm like, okay, so yeah, somebody came out and they didn't, they came out and did something they had no interest in doing. And really, like, I, I, I think she really enjoyed it. She just didn't want to come out and state it fully. But yeah. I mean, <laughs> you, moved, me. you moved her from, I do not want to do this ever again. I'm only yeah. doing this one too. Maybe, maybe. And, uh, and that's a, that's a big shift. It um, is a big shift. And, and so maybe that that's a, you know, moving, you know, getting, getting her to take that next step forward and to do in a, another 10 K or another half marathon or whatever it is, but yeah. Um, and you know, it's, it's not for everybody. It's not, no. And, and it's, it's being able, I mean, now it's for the people who are listening to this show. Yeah. They, they get it. The people who aren't listening to it, it's probably not for them, but, and that's, that's okay. I mean, it's like find out in your life, what you want to do. And I mean, I love just being out on a trail. 
And I mean, it is beautiful. It's quiet. Um, you know, it's, you do, I mean, the community is amazing, the support you get. Um, so, I mean, I, I remember, you know, I was, I was 10th place. I was coming in 10th place to the Tahoe 200. Um, and, and the 11th place person, um, I, he and I had been kind of passing. He was, he was the better runner. Um, he had been ahead most of the time, but I passed him when he, you know, he looked kind of like he was going to die. And there was a, but there was a point in me, it's like, okay, I think I've got 10th. Um, <laughs> and we, we crested the top and now we have five and a half miles down, down the hill to get to the bottom. And, and I'm ahead. I didn't know where he was. And I hear my pacer who's looking back and say, Brian, you got to run. He's coming. He's coming. And I hit a rock. I see. I was looking at the rock. (laughs) I hit a rock and I went down really hard and, and he came up. And the first thing he did was he stopped, made sure I was okay and kind of checked in on me. I'm, I, you know, it, it, we didn't look at each other too much as competitors. I mean, yeah, we're, we're, we're vying for 10th place, but still he, it's like, are you okay? And I said, yeah, I'm okay. And then he took off. There was no way in the world I was going to catch him. Um, <laughs> but it's still, it's that community. It's like, we want you to be successful. Yeah. God bless trail running. Honestly. I mean, yeah. uh, and the people that are involved with it, but it's, it's awesome. So, <laughs> um, well, Brian, I, 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 can't thank you enough for, for being on the show and, and sharing your story, your journey into trail running and, and talking about your book a little bit. Um, it is called Epic Performance Lessons Learned from 100 Executives and Ultra Endurance Athletes on Reaching Your Peak. Uh, it's out in August. I'm, August 16th. I'm, yeah. You can pre order it now if this gets yep. up on Amazon. Yeah. Perfect. So we'll, uh, I'll make sure in the show notes, I put all of the the links to purchase the, the book or find out more about yourself. Um, but yeah, I look forward to now. Is it going to be an audible? Cause I'm a huge audible guy. Yeah. You know, right now I don't have a plan for audible. Um, <laughs> so I, you know, it's all, it's balancing. Whenever you put a book out, you it have is, so much yeah. expense involved. And so I, I, we'll see, um, right now it's not on the, on the docket. Um, but, uh, who knows? Just means you got to pick up a, a book and read it then. That's great. That's right. You can, and you, I've got the Kindle version up. That's going to be up for 99 cents pre-order, at least till August oh, 16th. There we or go. you can buy, or you can buy the hardbound. Um, Wonderful. Well, yeah, I'll put all that information up. If you want to check it out a little bit more, it's, it's definitely from what I've read so far, it's, it's an awesome book. And I, I congratulate you on putting together such a great piece. So I hope, uh, I hope all the best with you on that. And, uh, what's, uh, what's next for you, whether it's athletic or, or another author, like what, what do you, what's, what's, what's your plan right now? <laughs> so writing a book and running 200 miles are fairly similar. So, so for me, the last year is like, okay, let's get the book out. That's been the big thing. And, and, you know, just like when you're training, it's like, oh, I don't want to get up and train. It's the same thing with writing a book. It's like, oh, I don't want to have to go out and write another couple hundred words. Um, So that's been my focus um, is getting the book out and then, you know, seeing, seeing where that can go and, and building up some things around the business. So no, no big, uh, no big ultras planned. I'm, I'm just enjoying being out on the trail and uh um, yeah uh and then being out on the bike sweet man well thank you again i appreciate it it was it was a super pleasure to sit and talk to you and and hear your story again thank you thank you jeff a pleasure to to chat with you as well and appreciate you uh, being flexible with the last time we had to move this <laughs> so good, thanks man. jeff
All right, that does it for another episode of the Trail Life Podcast. Once again, thank you for listening in. I really appreciate it. And a special shout out to uh, Brian Gillette for joining me today. Um, I cannot wait to really dive into his book, Epic Performances, Lessons Learned from 100 Executives and Ultra Runners. I think it's a really good take on the different perspective of both of those categories. And surprisingly enough, as, as you listen in, like a lot of them have the same mentality, the same ideas. So it's really interesting to me from that perspective. So I, I can't wait to dive into it a little bit more. Like I said, a book does come out in August. Uh, I'll put some uh, show notes in there to where you can pre-order it um, and where you can buy it afterwards. So it does sell on Amazon. Thank you again, Brian, for uh, for joining me. And uh, I hope you guys really enjoyed the conversation as much as I did. Thank you for listening in. And as I said before, please, if you like what you hear, leave a comment, leave a rating. So that way the podcast can get found just a little bit easier. All right, guys, thank you for listening in. We'll see you on the trails real soon. The Trail Life Podcast is presented by Solomon. For over 75 years, their passion for outdoor sports, new technologies, and craftsmanship have driven them and still do to create progressive gear to enable you to freely enjoy and challenge yourself in the great outdoors. Today, Solomon has an incredible lineup of road and trail running footwear and hydration gear, perfect for any runner on any terrain no matter the challenge. Check them out today at your local running store like Runner's Roost or on Solomon.com. This episode of the Trail Live Podcast is brought to you by Spring Energy. How do you fuel enough while keeping your stomach happy during a long run? Give Spring Energy a try. Spring Energy gels are made entirely from real food ingredients, free from melodextrin, processed sugars, or preservatives. The balanced mixture of simple and complex carbohydrates, electrolytes, and micronutrients will give you sustainable energy instead of sharp spikes and dips of blood sugar. To find out more about Spring Energy, go to myspringenergy.com or visit one of your local running stores. Music for the Trail Life Podcast is brought to you by The Poor Dirty Astronauts with lyrics written by Matt Meyer. Matt Meyer.